Hello, Trailblazers. Welcome back to the Business Casual Podcast. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2024, our very first episode of the new year. I absolutely love the new year personally. I love fresh starts. I love goal setting. I think that everyone is so motivated, has such big dreams and ambitions going into the new year. And everyone's just filled with motivation. And I love that energy. That is the energy we are bringing in to 2024. Now, it is the worst time of year because it is cold and we are in the depths of the winter uglies, but that is okay because that motivation is there and fueling us. It's just the best time of year for a fresh, clean slate, and I cannot wait for all things business casual related in 2024. I feel like I have not podcasted in so long. This episode you're about to listen to was recorded a while back before the holidays. Then we were on holiday break, and then it was the new year. I was on vacation, then I got very sick. I feel like you can still hear it in my voice a little bit, so apologies if I sound a bit congested, but we are back and better than ever, and I'm just so pumped for this new year and all the new guests and events we have planned. Little teaser for what's to come. We haven't officially announced anything yet, but I can 100% confirm there will be a business casual event, hopefully more than just one, in 2024. Anyways, if you're new, welcome to Business Casual. Thank you so much for tuning in and pressing play on today's episode. We are entering Business Casual's fourth year in 2024. We started in 2020, which is just crazy. And I think the next episode, if you're up to date on listening, will be all about my new job, my goals for 2024, how I'm balancing work and the podcast, and just everything that I have planned and how I'm managing my routine going into this new year. So I will save all of that good stuff for that episode. But today we are back with an amazing trailblazer for Trailblazer Tuesday, and that is Jillian Oxley. Jillian is the first guest we've had on from the real estate industry, and specifically Jillian is in real estate and high-end real estate. So if you're looking in 2024 and one of your goals is potentially looking into purchasing an investment property, or maybe you are a renter and you are considering saving up and potentially entering the buyer's market, this is a great episode just to learn more about the industry as a whole, especially in the Canadian market, but just overall in general. Also, if you've considered a career in real estate, obviously it's so great to hear from Jillian who's been in the industry for over 20 years. But I also think that even if you are not interested in real estate, Jillian gives a really great perspective on sales and networking and how important it is in real estate. So I think it's very applicable to many jobs. And I think there's some really great nuggets of information that you can apply to any industry and in any career. So before real estate, Jillian enjoyed great success in media and PR, including international TV and film sales, and helming a multi-million dollar PR firm with offices in San Fran and Los Angeles. From this background, Jillian understands the role of marketing and the importance of strong audience relationships in a business that is about sales. With 20 years of experience building, renovating, and selling properties in Toronto's most exceptional neighborhoods, Jillian helps her clients move forward with knowledge, confidence, and a sense of being impeccably served. The skill in which she cosmetically updates, styles, and stages sellers' homes is complemented by impeccably trained eye that helps buyers understand what features to look for, which to avoid, and the effort and expense required to transform a property to its full potential. Jillian is in the top 1% of real estate agents in Toronto, and without further ado, here's Jillian and enjoy today's episode. Hey, Trailblazers. Welcome back to the Business Casual Podcast. I'm excited to introduce you today to another one of our Trailblazers for Trailblazer Tuesday. So everyone, please welcome Jillian to the show. Hi, Jillian. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on. 
Of course, I'm so excited to chat today. I have really never ventured into the realm of real estate here on Business Casual. So this is definitely new territory for our listeners and never really had a guest that's been in this sector before. So I think it's exciting to hear from like a brand new perspective. Amazing. Well, I'm psyched to be here. Hopefully I can provide some good insights. We'll see. I'm confident you will. I wanted to start this with like a bit more of like a fun question, but I know that selling Sunset and like reality shows that surround luxury real estate have been, they've always been popular. There's always been so many of them, but they've been really popular in the last few years. Has that impacted you in any way? Have you seen like more of an interest in this like career? Have you seen like more like kind of engagement or like excitement on socials? I'm just curious, maybe it has had no impact, but I know it's been very popular and all over social media. So I wanted to ask and see if that's impacted you in any way. Yeah, it's a really good question. It's so far from our true world. And I remember when the millionaire real estate agent came to Canada and they contacted me and they wanted to meet me to be on the show. The first instinct was, oh, that's really fun. I wonder if that would be interesting and let's get more information. And then the second instinct was, oh God, I could never do that because my client's privacy and my own privacy, my own life, my my own world. So it wasn't a fit for me. I still went through the process of learning about it because I was curious. It's a television show. These are really manufactured shows. Many times the clients you see, the, the buyers are actors and they're going around and looking at homes. The agents themselves aren't necessarily truly the top agents, except in the world of Hollywood. And I think there was something that just came out about, you know, the agent's dollar volume, or we call it GCI, gross commission income, in terms of what they were selling and how much of it was sort of fabricated versus real. I honestly don't pay a lot of attention to it. But to loop back to your question, I think it definitely has created interest. We live in a world of reality television. We live in a world of complete transparency. Everybody wants to know everything. You know, it's kind of the polar opposite, your generation and my generation, where nobody knew anything. We got away with, now in hindsight, the stuff we all got away with is crazy. I do think that the industry of real estate in the last 20 years has gone through a huge metamorphosis in terms of, it used to be this, this perception of sort of, used car salesperson, like somebody who's just coming in and out of your life and just doing a quick transaction. And there's just, there's so much more to it now. And maybe there was then, and, I, and I'm and i being unfair. This is probably my own personal perception because certainly when I was starting out like you, being in marketing, to me, going and working for a multinational company that was the dream. You know, that was a real job. And real estate didn't feel like a real job. I think it makes so much sense. And I was recently listening to another podcast and they were talking about the influencer space and how people back in the day would think like entrepreneurs, like that's a real job. You started your own business. And now in the world of like content creation, social media, a lot of people don't think that's a real business, but it's very similar to like building your own brand and like having your own business. I think it's the same thing in, in real estate. It's people think that because it's more of a you have to build it yourself. You have to create your own schedule. And it's not something traditional, like conventional in the way that like other jobs are kind of you are raised around. You just don't think of it as a real job. But I think it's such a valid point. And I think even myself, up, I think about real estate agents and I was like a little kid, like, you know, we moved or got a new house or um, renting or all these different things. 
And it does seem like this almost fake job because it's such a fun and like different way to experience life because you're going to, it's every single day is different. You're working with different clients. And I think it is important to also recognize like Hollywood shows are very different than what is real life. TV shows like Suits, like that's not what a real doctor does. But of course, it does help kind of like romanticize the industry and like see all the fancy houses and people just love that appeal and that like excitement that it brings. So I think it's totally valid. I love the fact that you just brought up the line romanticizing the concept or the idea of a job because certainly when you look at social media or even what you and I are doing right now, having a dialogue about, you know, what does a day in the life of look like? It creates this connection that we we certainly didn't have, you know, even 10 years ago and where our lives as whatever role we're in, I mean, you can look at somebody like, you know, Natasha Kaufman from NKPR, who's always on social media and talking about her opinions and talking about work-life balance and, and really humanizing her sort of position as an entrepreneur versus the stereotypes we have in our head of, you know, these people work 24-7 and there is no work-life balance. I'm going to be transparent and say in real estate, we do work 24-7 and there is no very little work-life balance, but we do try. We do try. I think it's also important to also be straight up. And I think a lot of times things are also sugar-coated and a lot of jobs is not nine to five. I mean, I think majority of jobs, especially in the work from home sense, are not nine to five. I don't know too many people that log on exactly at 9 a.m. and log off exactly at 5 p.m. And not to say that that's like healthy or right, but I think especially nowadays, like work-life balance, I think a lot of people try and make it seem like certain jobs, there are more or less of that, but it is important to also recognize that sometimes there is not going to be work-life balance depending on the career you pick. And I think one of the things that maybe plays into that and would love to get your perspective on this is that relationship building and like your clients is a huge part of your role. And especially in luxury real estate, I'm sure that plays an even bigger part of it. We're going to take a quick break to talk about this week's sponsor, AG1. If you have been listening to the podcast for a long time, you know I've been drinking AG1 for almost a year now, and it is my absolute favorite part of the day. I am so, so, so glad I found this product and that I've added it to my daily routine. Not only did it replace my multivitamin with AG1 before I found this product, I was taking like six or seven different pills in the morning. And I honestly found that mixing on an empty stomach always made me feel nauseous. And I wasn't really sure if I was supposed to be taking them all together or with food. And it was honestly always very confusing to me, but I just assumed that it was all helping me. But now I love that I just have one scoop of AG1 in my ice cold water every morning on my way to work. And it has everything I need from prebiotics to probiotics and also digestive enzymes for gut health, which is really important. And especially in the new year, as you start any health or fitness goals or kind of reevaluate where you're at in your health and wellness journey, I think that AG1 is such a great, great item to add to your everyday routine. My dad recently got on AG1. I've been trying to convince him to take it for the last year. He's a late adopter. He started it about two months ago. And he's absolutely obsessed. He takes his travel packs with him every single time he travels for work and can seriously attest to how much it's helped his stress levels and just recuperating after workouts and really replenishing his body and feeling like he is ready to take on his day. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why they've been a partner for so long on this show. So if you want to take ownership over your health, it starts with AG1. 
Try AG1 today and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. All you need to do is go to drinkag1.com slash business casual. That's drinkag1.com slash business casual. Check it out. So how does how do you balance the client side of your role and how do you start building a network when you enter the industry? Okay, they're two really diverse questions. They're great questions though. So maybe let's hold the second thought and remind me what it was. And let's just dive down the conversation of, you know, how do you manage your client base? Because I think it probably goes across a lot of industries, how you manage your client base. Really, there's a a great book that I read when I first got into the industry called uh, Ninja Selling by Larry Kendall. And I'm going to just flag that for anybody that wants to get into real estate. It's a phenomenal book and it's, he's a great teacher and his programs are are really phenomenal because real estate's a, a tough industry. There is no articling period. There's no, you know, you're not an intern for a while. You just get your license and you dive in unless you join a team and sort of learn from the bottom up. But in terms of managing clients and and maintaining relationships, it's a juggle for sure. I try to do two big events a year and I'm trying to do more, but then, you know, I get pulled into other things. I think one of the most exciting things for me personally is not just having a touch point and having a lunch or having a coffee or meeting a couple for dinner or going to an event. One of the greatest joys I get from my job is that I meet so many fascinating people that may not know each other and I have the ability to interconnect them and say, hey, you work in development. Oh, I work with five clients that work in development. How is it possible you haven't crossed paths? Let's set up a dinner and let's set up, you know, sort of strategic thinkers or just thought leadership dinners and and cross-network people. So that's part of my touch basing or touch points. And and then I just am naturally a big communicator is part of my personality. So I'm always sending my clients little notes just saying, hey, I just drove past your house. I was just thinking about you. Hope you're well. I don't need to hear anything back, but I don't think you necessarily have to have a big three-hour dinner or, you know, go to a big fundraiser in order to stay in touch with your clients. And that's interesting. I have never heard of the approach that you first talked about in terms of like the cross-networking and like introducing, because I'm sure that actually goes a long way because it's not only benefiting you in the sense of like you're building a deeper relationship, but you're also benefiting them, which I've heard is like the best way to network is like making sure it's a two-way street and that you're both benefiting from it. And from your experience, has that kind of come on the other side of people remembering you in the sense of like, oh, Jillian was so great. She actually introduced me to like X, Y, Z. And like, I'm going to remember that for the next like 10 years rather than just going for like a dinner. Yeah, for sure. I think though, it's really interesting the way you just asked that question. You have to do it from a pure place. Like I authentically love connecting people. I am probably a little too out there when my friends' kids are like, oh, do you know anybody at MLSE or do you know anybody that works down at TD Bank? Or And I'm always happy to send off a resume, you know, connect to my sphere, which happened to be more senior. I truly believe we all have to pay it back. The very first boss I ever had working at DDB Needham, Joy Williams, I remember she looked at me 
And she said, I am giving you a big break. And I think she knew and I knew I was not qualified for the job. And, uh, and she said, one day you remember to pay this, you know, pay this forward. And I always have done that. Um, so that the cross networking is just another way for me to sort of pay it forward and to bring people together. It's funny. People will say to me after an event, you know, it was so great. You organized all these people and we kind of didn't even talk to you because I'm flitting around and making, oh, have you met so-and-so and like bringing people together? But yeah, I, re- I love doing it. And I, I love helping people find jobs, especially when they're starting out. It gives me probably more pleasure than anything just because I know how hard it is. And I think it's important that you talked about how a mentor early on in your career played into that because I think that's something that we hear so often and you never know in the moment how impactful a mentor is or how impactful your boss is going to be until you're kind of later down the road and you look back and realize that everything kind of worked out for a reason and fell into place. So I think kind of talking more about your early career, why did you decide to switch into real estate and how did you kind of know this was the path that you wanted to go down? (laughs) Okay. Well, this is not going to be the answer you expect. So one thing I will say to anybody listening that is questioning what they want to do with their lives and answer that question, which I've now become a parent and I'm guilty of asking, oh, you know, hey, honey, what do you want to do with your life? And then I listen to myself and I'm like, oh my God, that's so much pressure we're putting on these guys. Here's the answer. Nobody knows what they want to do with their life. And if you have the ability to pivot, uh, that became a huge word during COVID. I don't think anyone had it in their vocabulary beforehand, but it's a it's a really great word. If you have the ability to step outside of yourself and recognize that everything you're doing in your life all builds into a different direction, you can you can take the right path, you can take the left path. It opens up so many windows and doors that it doesn't really, there was no direct line for me. I started in marketing and public relations. I had a great, you know, sort of career in my early early to mid twenties and woke up one day and said, I, I really want to work in television. That's all I wanted to do was work in television. I didn't care what the job was. I just, I just wanted to be in television. So I applied to every single job that was out there in Toronto. And again, I, I was fortunate enough a woman by the name of Mary Powers at Chum City TV gave me a job, offered me a job. She gave me a huge break and hired me for a super cool job. And I, you know, headed off into that direction out of public relations into television and marketing and international sales. And then, you know, my path turned again and I ended up out in LA and and working in film and sales. And suddenly an opportunity dropped on my plate and I ended up back in public relations. So my my path kept sort of turning and curving and it always was part of, it was always communicating in sales. And when I had sort of gotten to a limit of how much more can you do, because you'll find this yourself, you know, you just said to me, you've started in a new career, you'll reach a point where you've been in that career for 15, 20 years and you ask yourself, what else can I do? What's the next accomplishment or how do I challenge myself and how do I be better? And I just felt like I'd finished that and I had a love and passion for renovating homes. And so I started doing that and was fortunate enough to be able to do that. And one house begat another, begat another, begat another. And suddenly 
somebody called me and said, can I hire you to build my house? And I was like, oh God, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think this is my job, but sure, I can come and help you. And so I was doing that for a while and becoming quite successful. And then 2008 hit. And usually when there's a crisis in my life, wonderful things happen. I will say <laughs> to anybody listening, when that crisis hits, it's not great. And it feels like your world's over. But if you can recognize that with every bottom moment, there's only one way to go, which is up, that's the beauty, right? There's there's nowhere left to go down. So 2008 hit, the market crashed. Well, it was the end of 2007. I was sitting on two multi-million dollar properties that I'd renovated and the market tanked. And I thought, oh God, what am I going to do with my life? And I decided I'd just be a real estate agent. And <laughs> here I am. <laughs> That is definitely not the the, the way I was expecting the, the story to go. But I think that, you know, going back to the original point, that things line up for a reason. I think that you obviously had a lot of skill sets that you had developed in your early career that set you up for success. And something I wanted to ask you, like talking about the 2008 financial crisis and kind of navigating now being in the market through, during COVID and like very different economic trends and geopolitical factors. How have you navigated that? And what advice do you have for anyone listening who's maybe interested in, in joining the industry, but is kind of doesn't know necessarily the right time because of all these different factors that are, are having a play? Yeah, it's a great question. You ask great questions, good dialogue. You know, it's a roller coaster. Life is a roller coaster. And whether it's our work or our personal lives or our families or our friendships, there are incredible highs and then there's lows and there's, you know, ups and downs. The economy is the same. And so the great thing about getting into an industry at the worst possible time is that, again, there's nowhere to go but up. And so I actually just had a sort of information session with one of my daughter's friends about she wanted to go into real estate. And my advice was, you know, join a team who's already successful or, you know, whether it's a, a big team or, you know, two or three agents that work together, get involved in their back office. If you're smart and you're crisp and you have high attention to detail, you'll learn the back office at men. And the, the things that happen in the back office are all the things that we're doing at the front end. And so you'll start to see the cadence of the business and how it works and what the different components are and who the players are, and you'll get paid a salary, right? So that's the most important thing. And while you have that stability of a salary, you can do your license and get your license and then slowly work your way through that time period and and move your way up through the company, just like you would at any traditional company. I think real estate as a whole is becoming more structured in it's not just a one-off agent that goes out and does 10 deals a year. You're looking now at these small to mega teams, and that's really a reflection of the fact that business in real estate is 24-7. And as one individual, you can't service it. And now correct me if I'm wrong, but the process also, the licensing process has changed if I'm well informed in the like in recent years or has it not changed? I thought it had changed. Maybe the process of getting it is a bit more intense now. Is that correct? It is. So it, it, they were changing it to being an in-class sort of university, college, whatever it is, 
degree that you had to attend for two years, Humber, I believe it was Humber College that was going to administer it. And then COVID hit. So everything went back online. And I don't know if they're still doing it that way. The idea is that to complete the courses, it should take you approximately two years in Ontario. It's different in every province, though, and there's different mandates and different qualifications. But yeah, it's about two years. And so it is a commitment. And during that time while you're doing it, there's no reason that you can't be working in the background, even if you're working on reception at a big company like Royal LePage or Chestnut Park or, you know, whatever it is. There's no reason that you can't be doing front desk I lied. My very, very, very first job was working on reception before I ended up at DDB Needham. But, you know, I learned more working on the front desk than any other job because you see everyone that's coming and going and what's happening. So these are great experiences and building blocks for a career. So while somebody was doing their license, that's what I would recommend to do. Now, what is the industry like within real estate? What does it look like in terms of, is it collaborative in the sense that other real estate agents. I'm assuming you know a lot of other real estate agents that play in like similar markets with you. Is that inter-industry, for lack of a better word, environment collaborative or is it more competitive? I just am curious to know what it would be like to be in the industry. And let's say, you know, you're a real estate agent that works at a big firm. Is there a lot of collaboration or is it more, is it more, a bit more competitive and everyone is kind of working for themselves if you're in those big team environments? Another great question. Okay. So <laughs> it's exactly like every single industry. It's, it's like it's a joke. You're not sure what you're going to get. You know, it's kind of like collaborative, but then also kind of competitive. Yeah. It's bits and bites. So I pride myself on being um, very collaborative. I recognize that like lawyers, like doctors, like anything, you know, the, the the client that comes in the door, you have complete and utter attention and duty of care to in that moment and throughout the process. And when you've completed your job, they go on and they have their happy life or they've had something resolved or they've won a case or they've bought a house. And then you keep going on in the same industry. And so the people that come in and out of your life on a constant basis are those other agents. And if you're not collaborative, there's no reason not to be collaborative. Amazing agent by the name of Kelly Fulton, when I got into this industry, said to me, I called her for advice. What do you think? Do you think I should be an agent? Because she knew me as someone that was buying and selling homes at the time. And she said, you know, Jillian, there's more than enough business for all of us. And she was so supportive. And I remember that line has just always stayed with me. And it's so true. You know, if you want to work, and you get out of bed every day and you're working hard and you're applying yourself, there is more than enough business for all of us. I'm actually really, really good friends with a lot of agents. I've traveled with them. I'm going away with two of my besties, two girlfriend agents at the end of this week. So we might compete against each other at a table, but we walk out and we're still all friends. You always are going to have some agents that you're like, you've got your eyes on and you're a little more competitive with or other agents that aren't collaborative. And you just you just have to know who they are. And it's the same as any industry. You'll be at a big law firm and there's lawyers that want to work together. And then there's ones that are just lone wolves. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And I think it goes back to just the idea of like networking and building relationships. And I think in any industry, it's really important. But I think especially in real estate, where connections are 
super important and the, building those relationships and networking. And I think on this, I think I asked this question when we started. I think we were meant to go back to it, but kind of bringing it back now. In terms of marketing yourself and like when you first started out building your clientele and like almost selling yourself and why uh, clients should work with you, what are some tips or any advice that you would give to someone starting out now to like really start building their their brand and selling themselves to clients? I tell my daughter this and my son and all of their friends all the time. You can start this today. You do not. It doesn't matter if you started this five years ago. Literally wake up tomorrow morning and start this. You guys have access to tools we never, ever, ever had. We had, in fact, we just found my old address book. I had an address book with like PD. (laughs) Literally, I opened it on tabs and found people's names and their phone numbers. You guys have access to LinkedIn, which is an unbelievable platform. Um, And you have access to incredible database resources, make sure you set yourself up for building that constantly, right? So you can add people's names to your LinkedIn, but if you're not touching base with them, you're not sending them notes, you're not following up with them, even just once a year to say, hey, I just saw you got a promotion, congratulations. Five years from now, that person may be looking to hire someone just like you. A really old-fashioned tip Um, hand write your thank you cards. Every person that does something kind for you, write them a note, put it in the mail, put a stamp on it. It may not last for long. We still all appreciate getting them. It goes so much further than you can imagine. Yeah. I mean, just to build that, that profile and, and your database and understanding who it is and how they're connected For me, I just did it through natural networking, but I didn't have any of the tools you guys have. I think also something that I've been struggling with, and I think people who are younger in the industry are like first starting out is also things take time. Fortunately, nothing is going to happen overnight. And, you know, starting at a company, like you don't know everyone in the company after a week, even after a month. Like, I think it's also important to like give yourself grace and time and know that you can't build a network overnight and you can't build, you know, a clientele roster in, in a month, it's going to take time. And I think like patience is something that our generation as like Gen Z has and millennials have been criticized of lacking. And now that I'm in the workplace, I kind of understand that things we, the same way we have these access to these tools and resources, we get the notifications right away and things seem like they can happen overnight. But a lot of the hard work and a lot of the stuff we do see on social media like has taken years, if not decades to build up. 100%. And I, and I think the other thing is Being able to ask and advocate oftentimes, and I talk about my kids because, you know, they're in their 20s. And so I'm able to have these touch. I still feel like I'm in my 20s or 30s. So as you should, as you should. I feel like I'm a teenager. So it all tracks. Everyone is stuck at some age. I'm stuck in a teenager's mindset. (laughs) It's still, it's so funny. But anyway, they, you know, being able to advocate for yourself, being able to step up the plate and go up to your, whoever your boss is or whoever your mentor is in your job and be able to say, hey, you know, I feel like I've been stuck in in the same position for a little while. What can I do to change that? How can I get to the next level? What do you need to see from me to get a promotion? And I don't know why, but for whatever weird reason, I was always really good at that. And I remember going and asking my boss at the time, the same one that gave me that break at uh, the PR firm when I started there. 
And I felt I'd stagnated after a couple of years. I said, what do I do? How do I make more money? How do I get a better position? And she said, go out and find the business, bring in the clients and you will get a promotion. And it was such a simple direction. I was like, oh, okay, I I can do that. I didn't know you wanted me to do that. I'll go do that. And off I went and I brought in CIBC and Canadian Diabetes. I created this amazing cross campaign, uh, fundraising marketing campaign. And it was the first new piece of business I won. And um, and then I was hooked. But I think it's really important. Not everybody has that skill set to go out and ask for business. But I think it's really important to ask for yourself. Always advocate for yourself and say, you know, and check in. How am I doing? Do you think I'm doing a good job? Like, is there anything I could do better? You know, it's 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 good just to keep asking the questions. It's so interesting you bring this up. I literally today had a coffee chat with like a senior VP at my company that my manager like pushed me to to set up. And the biggest piece of advice he told me was that I should really take like my personal development plan super seriously. That so many people in the company don't take their personal development plan seriously and they don't take the time to really ask those hard questions. And honestly, when I went through it the first time with my manager, when I first started, I didn't take it seriously. I didn't really put too much thought into it. I was like, yeah, like goals. You know, as a student, you make goals and every internship you do or your first job, they like tell you to write goals and like just seems like going through the motions. So it's so interesting you bring up this the same concepts. I think in advocating for yourself, it's taking the time to like ask those hard questions and like ask the question of, hey, I want to be here in three years. How do I get there? Like, where do I need to go? What skills do I need to gain? What gaps do I need to close? And it obviously it's so much easier said than done. Like those conversations are hard to have. It's not, I mean, Maybe they came a bit easier to you from the sounds of it, but for me, it, it definitely is still kind of uncomfortable. But then you think about it, and it's like, well, if it was my friend, and my friend wasn't being, you know, treated right in the workplace, and like wasn't being given the promotion I thought she deserved, I would advocate for. Her. But like, why can't I do the same thing for myself? It's a weird mindset. I think it's just like something as you maybe get older, you also gain more confidence. But I definitely have also been struggling with that. It's only been a month, but it's been top of mind very recently. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna dive in with two things. Number one thing you're gonna do for that fabulous VP who met with you is send him a handwritten thank you card with and maybe design it yourself. Go on tonight onto Etsy or whatever and design a fun card that's got your own personal logo or something that's inspiring. All you need to write is thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. I'm so excited about my future and and having you behind supporting me. Put it in the mail. He's gonna get it in seven to ten days. He's gonna open it and he's gonna be like wow, that's a first. Because let me tell you, so few people do that now. And then the second thing I would say to that comment you had about advocating for yourself, you guys all forget like we were you. Even when you get to the top and you're the CEO of a bank or you're, you know, the chairman of something or you're, you know, female trailblazer of the year or whatever it is, we were all 25, 22, 28, 35 we, we've already done it, right? So my favorite sort of question, I always encourage anyone that I'm mentoring or trying to help look for a job is always turn the tables at the end of the interview and say, you know, when you were my age and you were looking for a job and getting your start, is there anything different you would have done? Like, can you give me any advice of that hindsight looking back and how I could help myself differently? And, you know, it's amazing. It, it, it kind of will warm the person and you'll probably get into a totally different kind of conversation. 
I love it. I think it's such great advice. And I, I think anyone listening can relate to it so much based off of like our age range of listeners. Most of our listeners are 18 to 34. So those prime years of your career when you're still figuring things out, you're gaining your confidence. So I love both those tips. I'll definitely be taking them and hopefully all of our listeners can can benefit them as well. I wanted to kind of ask our final question here, which is kind of along these same lines, but it's what is one piece of advice that you want to leave listeners with that you wish you knew when you started your career or that you've been given throughout that's really stuck with you? And you've given us so many great pieces of advice. So if you want to re-elaborate anything, also open to that. Wow, you, you haven't stumped me through this whole conversation and now I'm stumped a little bit. You know, kind of you're asking that same question. If I could go back and talk to my younger self, what would I tell my younger self? I would say patience that the person that's going to hire you, their time, their time continuum is so different than yours. So what feels like forever, which is probably been, I don't know, nine business days since your interview to them feels like, you know, 15 minutes. Um, and so it's hard to have that patience. You know, when you're starting out, you're doing all these interviews and you're waiting to hear back and you're waiting to hear back. And I do think there's also like a cutoff point in that patience where you feel confident enough to reach out and say, hey, I love my interview and I'm wondering how things went and where do I stand? I think it's really goes back to the two advice I already gave. One, you know, be exceptional. Make sure that you always do something different than everybody else. Have zero percent of entitlement. There are so many people competing for the same job. So be incredibly gracious. And when you have an interview, even an interview that's a phone interview, send a handwritten thank you note and just say, thank you so much for taking those 15 minutes. It meant the world to me. This stuff takes 10 seconds. I mean, my poor kids hate me because they're always writing these thank you notes. Um, but it really makes such a difference that there's anyone listening that wants to be inspired, Google Tom Brady and thank you notes and watch the video. It'll blow you away the power of a personal touch. So yeah, I think that's that would really be, you know, I was already doing it, but that would be my going back advice it's it's the simple things i think it's the little things that can really make a big difference and i'm sure that your kids are very grateful for all of your advice and your your wisdom and i know that all of our listeners are also super grateful so thank you so much for your time jillian this was so lovely and it was a pleasure learning more about you and uh your career oh thanks it was great chatting with you i really 